MSW Media. Big shout out today to Helix Sleep. Take their two-minute sleep quiz and they'll match you to a mattress that'll give you the best sleep of your life. Helix is offering 20% off all mattress orders and two free pillows for listeners. Go to helixsleep.com slash dailybeans and use promo code HELIXPARTNER. This is their best offer yet and it won't last long. With Helix, better sleep starts now. And thanks to Thrive Cosmetics for supporting the Daily Beans. Get luxury, high-performance cosmetics that highlight your best features. For every purchase, Thrive Cosmetics donates to help women thrive. Go to thrivecosmetics.com slash dailybeans for 15% off your first order. Hello and welcome to the Daily Beans for Monday, February 6th, 2023. Today, Mark Pomerantz likened Donald Trump to mob boss John Gotti in his new book about his investigation at the Manhattan DA's office. George Santos is accused of sexual harassment by a staffer. The Department of Justice and the ODNI have offered to brief congressional intel committee members about the risk posed by Donald's classified document mishandling. And Judge Amit Mehta calls a 1-6 rioter's bluff after he said publicly that he believes he's innocent. I'm Allison Gill. And I'm Dana Goldberg. Happy Monday, Dana. Did you have a lovely weekend? I did. I had a very successful work weekend. And one of the perks of my job, which I love, my career, is that I get to meet some incredible people. So we honored Ariana DeBose, as I had said in the podcast last week. And I got to introduce Cecily Strong from Saturday Night Live, since she's now retired. She had a Saturday night free. And the the little soccer uh, girl in me, I fanned out and um, I had a I got to sit with uh, Ali Krieger and Ashlyn Harris for dinner. So they are wonderful. And if you're a soccer fan out there of the U.S. Women's National Team, you'll know how sort of big it was and just a really fun moment. And luckily they felt the same. So it was a great night, raised a lot of money and had a, <laughs> had a later night than normal. And I'm just not built for that anymore. My God. Ah, so we might have, okay, so this is like when I didn't get a lot of sleep, we're going to have that with you today. We might. I mean, to be honest with you, it involves a little bit of tequila and my first bite of a filet fish sandwich from McDonald's. I never had one before and I'm 46 and I'm like, these aren't that bad, but they're terrifying. I think it's probably only at 2.30 in the morning where they taste really good. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I can imagine so. Uh, but awesome. And again, I can't thank you enough for your work with the Human Rights Campaign. Seriously, thank you so much Absolutely. for all of that that you're doing. Thank you. Today, we're going to be talking, and we're going to have a Flip It Blue segment today. I'm going to be talking to the candidate, the Democratic candidate running against Josh Hawley in Missouri for Senate. His name is Lucas Kuntz, and I'm really excited to chat with him. All right. Aside from that, we have a lot more news to get to from the weekend. So let's hit the hot notes. Hot notes. All right. First up, from Hugo Lowell at The Guardian, U.S. officials have offered to provide a closed-door briefing to congressional leaders about their review of 300 or so classified marked documents retrieved from the Mar-a-Lago estate last year. That's according to sources familiar. The precise nature of the briefing remains unclear. The offer from the Justice Department and the Office of the Director for National Intelligence, ODNI, was described as unofficial on Sunday. No date has been set, though the briefing could come as soon as this week. But the closed-door session, it's closed-door, with the gang of eight that's the Republican and Democratic leaders of the House and Senate, as well as the chair and vice chair of both intelligence committees, the Senate and the House, 
it could provide an insight into the sensitivity of the documents Trump retained and the possibility of indictments. The nature of the documents is one of the central issues in the criminal investigation into Trump overseen by the special counsel, Jack Smith, who's examining whether the former president willfully retained national security information and obstructed justice. So, Dana, we could learn from this briefing, provided Democrats come out and tell us what happened, you know, without revealing any classified information, whether or not Donald declassified these documents with his mind. Oh, boy. And you can bet. (laughs) You can bet Andy and I will be discussing the implications of this, the impact it will have on the special counsel Jack Smith's investigation. We're going to do that on the next episode of Jack. The latest episode is out now wherever you get your podcast. So please subscribe to it, uh, you know, because it's awesome. And, and do you, first of all, you get to hear Andy McCabe swear this week. So, I mean, I mean that alone is worth it. Yep. I finally, yeah, he was like, maybe we shouldn't swear. I'm like, no, he, so we, we got him uh, <laughs> to swear a little bit. And and I also got a swear out of Eric Swalwell uh, on on last uh, last week's bean. So I'm I'm doing good. I'm two for two for people I wanted to get to say a bad word on on a podcast. Well, well done, well done. Mm-hmm. All right, this is from Durkin at the Associated Press. And appearing before a federal judge after pleading guilty to a felony charge in the deadly Capitol riot, former West Virginia lawmaker Derek Evans expressed remorse for letting down his family and his community, saying he made a quote crucial mistake. Just a mistake. Less than a year later, Evans is portraying himself as a victim of a politically motivated prosecution as he runs to serve in the same building he stormed on January 6th. Now, Evans is now calling the Justice Department's January 6th prosecutions, quote, a miscarriage of justice and describes himself on Twitter as a J6 patriot. Wow, that is a turn of events, is it not? And this is a quote. Some people have said I need to apologize. I gave him a Donald Trump voice because apparently I... (laughs) Yeah, let me try it. And he said, some people have said I need to apologize and condemn J6 if I want to win my election as the media will attack me. He tweeted that recently after announcing his bid for a U.S. House seat in 2024. And he went on to say, I will not compromise my values or beliefs. That's what politicians do. We need patriots, not politicians. Okay, pal. Now, Evans joins a series of January 6th defendants who went up against possible prison time in court, have expressed regret for joining the pro-Trump mob. That rattled the foundations of American democracy only to strike a different tone or downplay the riot after receiving their punishment. Now, some defendants have drawn ire from judges or the Justice Department for their inconsistent comments, but there's not much the legal system can do for an adjudicated defendant. And because some conservatives hold up January 6th defendants as martyrs, there's a political and possibly financial incentive now for them to change their tune. It could push Mm -hmm. judges to impose stronger punishments for rioters who haven't yet made it to the end of their criminal cases. Now, even before Evans's sentencing, the judge who heard his case began questioning the sincerity, really, huh, of rioters' apologies after he felt duped by another defendant saying he was, quote, all too familiar with the crocodile tears. Oh, boy. Now, in some cases, judges have questioned whether they should undo defendants' convictions or plea deals after they made statements in public that appeared to go against what they said in court. Now, on Friday, U.S. District Judge Amit Mehta ordered an Illinois man convicted this week to explain why the judge shouldn't vacate his conviction after he agreed in court that he participated in the riot and then told a newspaper that he didn't actually think he committed the crimes with which he was charged. Well, before being sentenced last June to three months behind bars for civil disorder charge, Evans said he regrets his actions every day and told senior judge Royce Lambert He is, quote, a good person who unfortunately was caught up in a moment. 
Well, shortly after, prosecutors wrote to the judge about several statements Evans made on a radio show, and that were, quote, inconsistent with the contrition he showed at sentencing. When asked whether he regretted his actions, Evans said on the show that he regretted the situation he was in, but he said he was never going to have regrets when it comes to standing up and doing what's right. Go fuck yourself. (laughs) I just can't with these guys. So a lot of the sentencing depends on, you know, if they give a downward departure from sentencing guidelines for remorse and then they go back out and said, I was just lying. Yeah, it's we'll see what happens, though, because there is a minute order, like you said, in that one case. He's like, tell me why I shouldn't vacate your guilty plea if, if, you know, you made it and said you were guilty and you did the crimes for this court and then went out and told everybody that you were innocent and didn't do it. (laughs) Like, let me know. Fair question. Yeah, it's a fair question. Yeah. So we'll see what happens. But it's it's hard for courts to adjudicate these after the fact. But we'll see if he makes it if he makes an exception. And from from The Times, this is from The New York Times, Mark Pomerantz resigned in protest early last year after the newly elected district attorney in Manhattan, Alvin Bragg, decided not to indict Trump. By then, the inquiry was more narrowly focused on whether the former guy had fraudulently inflated the value of his assets to secure loans. But for months beforehand, Pomerantz had mapped out a wide-ranging possible case against the former guy under the state racketeering law. We call it Little Rico. And that's according to a soon-to-be-published book called People v. Donald Trump. That broader approach was based on a theory that Trump had presided over a corrupt business empire for years. And that's a previously unreported aspect of the long-running inquiry. Although we guessed he was gone after Rico. Pomerantz and his colleagues cast a wide net examining a host of Trump enterprises. This is the whole, not just the Trump org, the whole thing, including Trump University, his his real estate education venture, you know, that the mm-hmm. whole Trump University fraud, his family charitable foundation and the Trump org and all of the other 499, you know, offshoots of it. <laughs> now, the book, a copy of which was obtained by the Times, is a chronicle of the complicated investigation, which produced charges against Trump's longtime CFO, Weiselberg, but has yet to yield formal accusations against the former guy himself. A year ago, in the early weeks of his tenure, Bragg balked at indicting Trump for a case centered on the potentially fraudulent inflation of his assets. Although Bragg's predecessor, Cy Vance Jr., concluded he had enough evidence to make that case, Bragg was concerned that there was insufficient proof that Trump intended to break the law, which is a necessary element, intent, right? His decision to pull back as the investigation was reaching a crescendo prompted the resignation of Pomerantz and Dunn, Carrie Dunn. And the final chapters of the book detail that mounting tension with Bragg. Now, in the wake of Pomerantz's resignation, the Times published his letter. You know, it wasn't nice. It cast a harsh light on Bragg's decision not to pursue an indictment of Trump. In the book, Pomerantz also cites a scathing email he sent to Bragg, admonishing him for his perceived lack of engagement. Alvin Bragg's office says that Mr. Pomerantz is bound by a non-disclosure agreement he signed in 2020 when he was consulting on the case. Pomerantz says the agreement was not binding after he formally joined the office in early 2021. The office says standard rules of confidentiality for its prosecutors apply to that period. The book's description of conversations between Pomerantz and Bragg's team could arguably complicate the current investigation that Bragg is doing. In particular, Pomerantz detailed Bragg's opposition to using Cohen as a star witness. That's an awkward disclosure now that he may be the star witness. (laughs) (laughs) And when he came on board, Pomerantz inherited what he saw as a floundering investigation. He soon drilled down on the hush money, exploring whether the money laundering was involved. He developed concerns, however, that such a case was too risky under New York law, 
leading him to focus on the racketeering case. So he said, the hush money stuff is too risky. Racketeering is more of a slam dunk. New York State's version of the federal racketeering statute known as enterprise corruption, which we call Little Rico, quote, was an ideal vehicle for prosecuting Donald Trump and the Trump org. That's what Pomerantz wrote. Vance called the idea bold, but other members of the team appeared unenthusiastic. Now, by Labor Day 2021, the racketeering theory became too ambitious to sustain. Vance planned to leave office at the end of the year and wanted to make a decision about whether to charge Trump before he stepped down. But as the investigators narrowed the focus onto whether Trump inflated the value of his hotels and golf clubs and office buildings, Pomerantz relied on the New York Attorney General's office for help. That's Tish James. Pomerantz explains that the attorney general and her investigators had been way ahead of the DA's office. And when Bragg took over in 2022, Pomerantz told him the case was not a slam dunk, but that he was nonetheless confident they could secure a conviction of Donald, putting their chance of success at about 70 percent. Ultimately, he writes, he ran into a cautious and conservative culture at the district attorney's office among the prosecutors working on the investigation. 70 percent wasn't enough for Bragg. And now that Bragg has returned to the hush money case, Pomerantz writes that indicting Trump for that alone, quote, would be a very peculiar and unsatisfying end to this whole saga. Indeed. And I just want to say when I was in New York this weekend at the HRC gala, there was a lot of uh, political uh, leaders in the in the audience. Um, Gillibrand was there. Senator Gillibrand was there. Uh, Chuck Schumer spoke. He's always nice to be in the audience when he's up there. But they were announcing everyone that was in the room, A.G., and they got to Tis James and the room exploded. I mean, more than oh. any other person, the room was just like, <laughs> it was It was a very nice show of, we appreciate what you're doing. Please keep doing it. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was pretty wonderful. All right. I just want to do a, a, a just a, when I say a soft trigger warning on this, I just, I don't want to take anyone by surprise. This is a story about George Santos, but it does involve a sexual harassment accusation. So I just wanted to make sure if you're listening that you know that. And uh, this is from Ashford and Gold at the Times. A prospective congressional aide has accused Representative George Santos of ethics violations and sexual harassment. This is according to a letter the man sent to the House Committee on Ethics and posted to Twitter on Friday. Now, this is Derek Myers. He briefly worked in Santos's office before his job offer was rescinded earlier this week. And that's according to the letter. Well, Mr. Myers said in the letter that he was alone with Mr. Santos in his office on January 5th when the congressman asked him whether he had a profile on Grindr, a popular gay dating app. Then Santos, by the way, who is married, supposedly, invited him to karaoke and touched his groin, assuring him that his husband was out of town. Like I said, Santos is married. Now, Mr. Myers' account could not be cooperated, but a spokeswoman for Representative Susan Wilde who's the ranking member of the House Ethics Committee, acknowledged that this letter had been received by her office. Mr. Meyer said in an interview that he's also filed a report with the Capitol Police, speaking to an officer over the phone. On Twitter, he said that he was making his complaint public for the sake of transparency. Hmm. And this is a quote. They are serious offenses, and the evidence and facts will speak for themselves if the committee takes up the matter. And again, that was from Mr. Myers. A day before making his complaint public, Myers received attention following the release of recordings he had secretly made of Mr. Santos and his chief of staff, Charlie Lovett. Mr. Myers was charged last year with wiretapping in Ohio after a small newspaper he ran published audio of courtroom testimony that someone else recorded and sent to him. Journalism organizations rallied around him, calling for the charges to be dropped in the name of press freedom. Mr. Santos told the new startup Semaphore, on Thursday, that his office had been in the process of hiring Mr. Myers, but had decided against it, 
because of the concerns over the wiretapping charges. God forbid George Santos's office hires someone that may be accused of doing something wrong. Now, Mr. Lovett confirmed the same to Talking Points memo. Mr. Myers claimed that the alleged harassment occurred five days before he secretly recorded Mr. Santos. At that conversation, audio of which has been published by Talking Points memo, Mr. Myers declared his fealty to Mr. Santos, telling him, and I quote, we're all George. This is how we got here. We're just masters of the game. Well, at another point, Mr. Myers says on the recording, yeah, I will never lie to you guys. I have no reason to, but I will lie for you. And then Santos replies, yeah, Santos replies, you shouldn't. Huh. Well, in this letter, the ethics committee, Mr. Myers said that he was told he would work in Mr. Santos's office as a volunteer before his employment paperwork was processed. He said in a letter that he now believes that such an arrangement violated the House ethics rules. And he asked the committee to investigate Mr. Santos for his use of volunteer labor, as well as that sexual harassment charge. So we'll see what happens. But things are piling up against Georgie, if that is your real name. Wow. Uh, Every day. Something comes out about that guy. We should just have a segment called, and this is your life, George Santos. Like something. We need to do something. George Santos, (laughs) this is your life. (laughs) Yeah. Say the secret word, win $100. All right. So we shot down a Chinese spy balloon. Okay. So that happened. As Uh, one does. Apparently the only thing anyone can talk about. Biden ordered it shot down last Wednesday. The Pentagon said, all right, well, and they jammed it. So it couldn't, you know spy and then they spied on it and got all of the intel out of it and then they shot it down over the ocean and collected all the debris to study it so a win i think for the for the Biden i mean think so too you got all these jackasses going why did they shoot it down why did they shoot it down apparently it was the size of three buses like they had to wait for yeah. it to pass over land where people live <laughs> so this thing because called gravity i know that the people on the right don't believe in science but things do fall from the sky if they're shot down so they had to make sure it was <laughs> yeah. over the ocean. I was laughing. I was, we were talking and um, someone just dear to me and just hilarious was like, I'm surprised someone in North Carolina, some guy with a gun wasn't like, I'm going to shoot this down myself. I just saw it in the sky and I was like, I ain't going to have some, no Chinese spy balloon flying over North Carolina. So he well, just <laughs> tried to shoot it down himself. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm, I'm sure that happened in some places. But like, uh, yeah, uh, my whole main concern was that somebody would try to shoot it down and then it would like rain anthrax on their head or something. Like, just let the military handle it. Yeah, just that whole thing, they shoot it down. Uh, apparently, there were three Chinese spy balloons, by the way, that entered the United States airspace when Trump was president. That is something the Pentagon has confirmed. But now Rick Grinnell, the ODNI, and some guy named Waltz, who's a Republican from Florida, is like, Trump didn't know about that, and neither did we. And that's not really a good thing to say about yourself. (laughs) (laughs) The president of the United States didn't know that three spy balloons had come into our airspace during his presidency. Yeah, that either means that, you know what, that could mean that the Pentagon was like, let's just not tell him. Like... (laughs) Like, or Trump was I don't like, know. listen, they're going to lock my bank account in China if I say yeah. anything publicly. Yeah, they'll they'll rescind, uh, you know, Ivanka's patents. Uh, but you know, likely what's happening is Rick Grinnell and this Waltz fella are lying. That's probably what's actually happening. Of course. So, uh, anyway, that whole uh, saga is over. If I shoot down the balloon, I won't be able to make I won't be able to make my blazers in China anymore if I shoot down the balloon. I don't. Yeah, his MAGA hats. I, Worst I Trump don't, impression ever. I don't know if I want to live in a country without a Chinese spy balloon, Dana. 
I liked it. No. We were friends. No, no. All right. It was a very funny Saturday anyway. Night Live skit, actually, about the Chinese <laughs> spy balloon that uh, Bo and Yang actually played. So if you get a chance, you should Google it. It's the, it's the cold open of SNL this week, and it was actually really funny. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. All right. Well, we're going to be talking uh, next on the Flip It Blue segment with uh, Lucas Kuntz, who is running for Senate of Missouri against against Josh Hawley. So he's running against the running guy. And I love that. And his ad is amazing. And we're going to talk to him. So stick around. We'll be right back. After these messages, we'll be right back. There are a lot of places where you can buy your beauty and skincare products. But let me tell you why I choose Thrive Cosmetics. Thrive uses high quality, clean, skin loving ingredients with no parabens, sulfates or phthalates. And they're certified 100% vegan and cruelty free. On top of that, the cause in cosmetics is in the name for a reason. Every purchase goes towards supporting organizations that help communities thrive. I use their products every day. They're so much better than my old brands. Their makeup is sublime. Their skincare products make my skin feel fresh and rejuvenated. It's made a huge difference. For example, I've been using their Liquid Lash Extension Mascara. It's the best thing ever. Uh, the first vegan tubing mascara with a proprietary tubing formula that dramatically lengthens each lash from root to tip. It's a clean, nourishing ingredient. Uh, they, they support longer, stronger, healthier-looking lashes over time. So your lashes actually grow more. It protects them and makes them grow more. It lasts all day. No clumping, no smudging, no flaking. It's very simple to remove. The tubing formula slides right off your lashes with just warm water and a washcloth. It's easy to understand why this is the best-selling product. It has over 20,000 five-star reviews. I'm also a huge fan of their Brilliant Eye Brightener. It's a foolproof eyeshadow highlighter stick. It's extremely easy to apply and blend. It really opens my eyes up. And it uh, gives you like an instant eye lift. You can use it as an eyeshadow for a perfect daytime glow or use the metallic shades for an easy smoky eye. It is the best. As good as their products are, what really helps Thrive Cosmetics stand out is their commitment to helping communities thrive. They have over 300 giving partners across the country, including ones that help with homelessness, domestic abuse survivors, and even LGBTQ plus issues. Every time you purchase something from Thrive Cosmetics, you're also helping someone who really needs it. And now's a great time to try Thrive Cosmetics for yourself. Right now, you can get 15% off your first order when you visit thrivecosmetics.com slash dailybeans. That's thrivecosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S dot com slash dailybeans for 15% off your first order. Everybody, welcome back. It's time to Flip It Blue. And I know what you're thinking. Is it a little too early to flip it blue? No, the election is just 22 months away. And I know that sounds like it's far, but it is not. It is right around the corner. And today we are going to be talking to the U.S. Senate candidate challenging Josh Hawley in Missouri, Lucas Kuntz. Hi, Lucas. Hey, what's going on? I'm excited to be here. Thanks for having me. It's my honor because, first of all, I you came to my attention with an incredible ad that you put out mm -hmm. about uh, Josh Hawley that uh, made me laugh, but also made me think. You are a war vet. You spent 13 years as an active duty Marine. And I wanted to talk to you today because I want to know a little bit, first of all, how that ad came together or tell us about the ad. But second of all, you know, why you're running to unseat Josh Hawley. Yeah, well, I mean, in many ways, they go together. I mean, we got to change who has power in this country. And here in Missouri, people are just so tired of politicians basically betraying them over and over again, right? And that's what Josh Hawley does. He All he cares about is power for himself. And, you know, we launched the campaign on January 6th, and we, and we did the ad that you're talking about, contrasting my background to his and what happened on January 6th. 
because that's the day he showed everybody who he really is. Missouri is a show me state. You got to show people who you are. That's exactly what he did. You know, the second he thought it was getting get in power, he's out there pumping his, his fist and sighting the crowd. And then when things get real, he's skittering out the back exit as fast as he can. Right. Like that's what a fraud and a coward does. And so for me, you know, mentioned being in the Marine Corps, I was in the Marine Corps for 13 years. I deployed to Iraq. I deployed to Afghanistan. You know, in Iraq, I led a police training team on missions, uh, convoys, dodging IEDs and stuff. And I can tell you what, if any of us had shown the type of cowardice that Josh Hawley had shown, we would have been court-martialed. Mm-hmm. And Missourians deserve better than that. They deserve somebody who's going to stand up for them when things get hard, not just run away. And that's, you know, that's why we got to take this guy out. Yeah. And he talks a tough game, right? He put out a book on how to be a manly man, <laughs> uh, which I think think is uh, hilarious. But I have to tell you, Lucas, I was in the hearing room during the January 6th hearings when they showed that video of him running, you know, across the hall. And then they showed it again in slow motion. And I had at that point attended a few of the January 6th hearings and generally the commentary from the gallery, from us watching and and observing Mm -hmm. the hearings is pretty quiet. But at that moment, and you can't hear this on television, the whole entire room erupted in laughter. And it was not only a very, I mean, immediately funny moment, but also a very sad moment that there is a sitting U.S. senator that behaves this way, incites that violence, talks like a bully, and then runs away when the rubber meets the road. And I think that that was what really came through in your ad. And I think it's, you know, why you are, I think, going to be able to unseat him. And Missouri, what's going on in Missouri, man? (laughs) Women aren't allowed to wear sleeveless things in Congress or pants. I don't understand the things that are going on in Missouri, and it really needs some strong leadership. Well, that's just it. You know, the this Missouri is the front line in this fight for democracy. And it's just it's perfect that the biggest faker of them all, the biggest fraud, Josh Hawley, is our U.S. center, because it gives us the ability to take down the guy who kind of epitomizes just the the fraudness of it all, right? Just the fakeness of it all. And so so what we got here is, you know, we got a state where guys like Josh Hawley, who talk about freedom, just want to control everybody, right? They want to control all of us. I mean, you mentioned uh, what was going on with uh, having to wear sleeves for Missouri members of the legislature. You know, they want to control us at the workplace. They want to control people in the bedroom. They want to control us in the doctor's office. You mentioned Josh Hawley's books on manhood. Like the dude wants to control how every single one of us live as a man. And uh, it's just uh, it makes absolutely no sense. It's weird. Like it's creepy. It's gross. I mean, imagine the guy who writes a book about manhood and tells everyone that they need to be made in his own image. It's crazy, Mm -hmm. right? And so this is our opportunity to fight back and knock one of these people off the pedestal and Missouri is attainable. Like we had mostly statewide Democrats elected up until 2017, right? Our governor was a Democrat, our secretary of state, uh, our auditor, our treasurer, you know, like the list is pretty long. And uh, and we can take that back. We've seen gaps closed by quite a bit, even in 2016, our worst year ever, when Donald Trump won by 17 points, a guy named Jason Kander, another veteran like me, Ran for the U.S. Senate, Missouri, and came within three points, right? Like he yeah. closed a 14-point gap. We don't have to close a 14-point gap anymore. People are tired of this stuff. You saw next door in Kansas, you know, they put abortion on the ballot and abortion wins, right? People are tired of uh, of these guys trying to control our lives. And so we're going to have abortion on the ballot. 
we've been doing the same thing on the ballot. Like people don't understand, people don't realize just what Missourians have done to try to claw power back for themselves. We passed the minimum wage, $5 over the federal level. We expanded Medicaid over the state legislature. We overturned the anti-union right to work, 68% to 32% at the ballot box. And, uh, you know, we got ourselves medical and then recreational marijuana. And so uh, this trend has been going on for the last few years, and it's time that we wrote it and really just kicked this bully, as you like to put it out, right? The bullies are always the biggest cowards, and now we've seen it. Yeah, and I have to say, I'm a Midwesterner. I know the people of Missouri, and the people of Missouri deserve better. They are tough, they're hardworking, salt of the earth, and I absolutely love Missouri. And and you're right. You have come so far and, and working to claw back the power that the majority actually has. It's kind of a minority rule out there. And, and I, I think that, you know, that 14-point deficit is now a three-point deficit. This is more than attainable. Talk a little bit about the grit and the determination that the people of Missouri, Missourians have. Yeah, I mean, this is a beautiful state. So I grew up here. I was born in a town called Hartsburg and grew up in Jefferson City uh, in a working class neighborhood. And my family didn't have any money growing up. Like none of us did. None of us in that neighborhood ever, ever had any money. But it was just so incredible because we're all running in and out of each other's houses like it's our own. Um, my parents got married at 19, 22. You know, they were Catholic and they like were, were doing the Catholicness of it. And so, you know, they got four kids before they know it, living on the edge. And then, um, when my little sister was born, she had to have a heart surgery. And you know what happens to people in America when uh, who are living on the edge when any sort of disaster strikes, right? Like that's bankruptcy. Um, and so for most of us Missourians living paycheck to paycheck or one disaster from bankruptcy, the only way we make it is when we take care of each other. And we made it mm-hmm. through that time. There's people in my mom's prayer group passed the plate around at church for us. Because they brought more tuna casserole by the house than we can ever eat. I hope you're from the Midwest and you have tuna casserole. But I'm oh, telling yeah. you, I remember sitting on my couch and praying during that time a couple of times. I was like, dear God, please let it be lasagna tonight. <laughs> Just please. <laughs> but, uh, but that's the way people take care of each other. It's real grit. Like, yeah, that is the word. Like, we want to take care of each other. Even in high school, you know, when I was, um, when I, my parents couldn't afford more than one pair of running shoes for me each year. My high school cross country coach uh, saw that. And by the way, teachers in Missouri get paid less than anywhere else in the entire country. So this guy didn't have any money. You know, he sees that I'm getting hurt and he just wants to take care of me. And he would secretly buy me a pair of shoes Mm. so that I would stop getting injured. Would I have gotten into college without that? I don't know. Like uh, because he helped me not get hurt. uh, You know, I was an all state runner and and I got to do uh, things that I never could have dreamed of. And so that's the way that Missourians take care of each other. And like people like Josh Holly, they don't understand that. He has no idea how the average Missourian or Midwesterner lives. He doesn't understand what it's like to be bankrupt. He doesn't understand paycheck to paycheck. He doesn't understand anything except the pampered life that he lived and in the way that that's benefited him, right? His dad was a president of the bank. He, you know, when he got out of school, he went and worked for one of the most elite corporate law firms in the entire country in Washington, D.C. While he, meanwhile, now rails about elites. Like, it's absolutely nuts. And this is the chance. This is our real chance to show that everyday Missourians can represent each other and we can take these frauds down. So, you know, I'm excited. I'm excited to have the grid of Missourians behind me on this one uh, and, and making this a real deal because I think we've got a great chance. Yeah. And, th- and that's a great pivot into the next topic I wanted to talk about, which was some of your platform and some of the things that you believe in, because Democrats 
deliver. We've seen that. Republicans obstruct and Democrats deliver. We have, you know, I want to ask you about the American Economic Liberties Project. Mm -hmm. A Democratic appointed attorney general is going after Google in a lawsuit because of of its monopolization of the market in that lane. And then, you know, we have the, you know, Biden being able to get with a lot of help from uh, John Stewart, the PACT Act signed when all the Republicans didn't want to go along with it. And they made up stories to not have to sign this bill, things that just weren't true. So uh, talk to me about American Economic Liberties Project. Talk to me about the national security, green energy, the PACT Act, stuff that you want to do for veterans, because there are a lot of veterans in Missouri as well. That's right. We've got a huge veteran percentage. We're all about service. Uh, You know, that people often ask me, how'd you become a Marine instead of something else? And, uh, you know, I mentioned the way that people in our neighborhood took care of us and down at church. And, uh, well, there was this guy who uh, ran the church soup kitchen. And so my family, again, we always volunteered when we could, and we'd volunteer down at the church soup kitchen. And uh, it was me and my my second si- or you know next sibling, my sister. Um, there were four of us overall, but the two old of, of us would go volunteer this thing. And uh, so this guy, he would always ask us. Uh, he would say, "Okay, what chores do all the kids want to do?" Me and my sister always raising our hand, like, "Oh, oh, oh we want to do the dishes. Like, we want to do the dishes." Mm-hmm. This guy's like, "What is wrong with these kids? Like, you could be setting the table. You could be you know like pouring water for folks. You could be doing all these other things. You always want to do the dishes." Well, finally, he figured out that at our house, you know, with a family of six where you didn't have a dishwasher, like doing the dishes was real grind. However, at the church kitchen where they had a dishwasher, like we thought we were just scamming the guy because we had to just throw this stuff into a machine, close it up and walk away. It's like we're not even doing a chore. <laughs> and so he figures that out. And uh, and, a, and a while later, when he renovates his kitchen, he remembers that. And, you know, he doesn't have to do this. He doesn't have to think about other people. but instead. He takes a day out of his life to load up his old dishwasher, put it in his truck, bring it by our house, and we got it installed, and then we had a dishwasher. And it's like, that's the way Missourians take care of each other, and and veterans, too, and uh, which is how we got on this topic. But uh, you never forget the guy who saves you 45 minutes of hard labor every night, and so that's how I became a Marine. And, uh, And it's just a beautiful thing to see the way that veterans pass down their values to one another and take care of each other, and that's the exact type of thing that Josh Hawley does not understand. That's why he voted against the PACT Act, right? He used veterans. And so the PACT Act is protecting American or protecting all of us who are exposed to uh, burn pits in Iraq and Afghanistan. I was actually personally exposed to one when I was in Iraq. And, um, you know, this was this was a measure, a nonpartisan, nonpolitical measure to take care of veterans who are suffering. And uh, he decided that he was going to vote against it uh, for political reasons. And again, like if you understood how everyday Missourians lived, if you understood service to your country, if you understood what it meant to be a veteran, you wouldn't do that. But he doesn't. He doesn't understand any of this. He only cares about power for himself. And uh, and so, I mean, that's how I feel about the PACT Act. And that's another reason this guy's got to go. And, uh, you know, some of the other things, you know, uh, so you mentioned I worked at the American Economic Liberties Project. So, you know, I was at the Pentagon. I, I actually was doing arms control work for the chairman of the Joint Chiefs. I represented him on the National Security Council in negotiations with NATO and then with Russia and other countries over in Europe. Uh, this was after my deployments to Iraq and Afghanistan. And uh, and I just started to see how monopolized the defense industry was there, how much money was going into defense, but actually ended up just going to you know, shareholders, not giving us better products, not giving us better value, but just being wasted. And so... Uh, so I got an American Economic Liberties Project, a group 
a nonprofit that uh, fights corporate monopoly control over our economy. Um, I did some work on the on the national security side, and and you know, actually, a fun thing that just came out was uh, I don't know if you've seen the campaign against Ticketmaster, but there were actually mm-hmm. hearings in Congress on Ticketmaster, and uh, and that was the American Economic Liberties Project, you know, a monopoly that controls. Um, a bunch of the venues and artists in our country and makes ticket prices just mm-hmm. soar through the roof. I don't know if you got any Taylor Swift fans that listen to this show, but uh, if you are, you know the pain that is going through Ticketmaster, Bruce Springsteen fans too. So uh, so I thought it was a great organization where we could just try to take power back for everyday Americans against a sort of corporate system that uh, doesn't work for us, you know? And, and, uh, and that's, you know, that's one of the reasons I'm doing the political thing now, just because it's, there are a lot of things that are pretty broken, right? The money in politics is tough. Um, you got Josh Hawley talking about how he's for, you know, working people. And yet he was endorsed by Citizens United when he ran. I mean, dear God, talk about a, a ruling that really hurts all of us. And so, um, I don't know. I just want to bring power back for every t- people. I don't take money from corporate PACs, no federal lobbyists, no big farm executives. And uh, you mentioned sort of um, renewable energy. So, the last, you know, another thing I don't take money from is fossil fuel executives, just because I have seen the way that uh, that they distort our economy and actually make us weaker. Yeah. Yeah. Let me let me talk about that for a second, because I'm former Navy. You're a Marine. Mm-hmm. Once Marine, always Marine. I used to give you rides places. You're welcome. Gracias. Here's here's the thing, though. For, you're welcome. For, for decades now, the Pentagon uh, Department of Defense has been on top of climate change. Uh, it's during certain administrations that they want us to not talk about that anymore. But the military is kind of an early adapter on this. They see it coming and how it could impact bases in the future. But you, I'm going to read a a quote from you. My life's work is national security and the case could not be clear. Decarbonizing will make us safer, allow us to focus on adversaries like Russia and China and save us money and the technology we develop and know how we build in the decarbonization process will be a boon to U.S. business. And so talk just briefly before before we get out of here. I, w- I want to hear your position on, on climate and the stance that you take. Not too many people take the national security stance, but it's a very important one. Yeah, well, you know, I was at Pentagon and I was looking through all these reports over the years. And, uh, you know, in the Bush administration, we were talking about how climate change is a bad deal uh, for national security. They talked about in the Obama administration. They actually put stuff out in the Trump administration. It just wasn't publicized. Like, you know, when we when the military was looking at this, we're like, this is a bad deal. And it's a bad deal for many reasons. You know, one is that for every degree warmer a place is, the in, the likelihood of conflict increases. That's why there's more violence in the summer. And that happens on a on a national, international scale, too. And so when we decide that, you know, America is going to be the world's police, that's not a good deal for a warming world that's going to create more conflict. We see a bunch of our bases are going to go underseas. We see that when a lot of these countries um, experience uh, climate catastrophes or um, or whatever else related to global warming, you get a bunch of refugee flows, you get destabilization uh, and things like that. And then for me personally, and this will not really ground my gears, you know, I was I mentioned earlier, I was doing arms control negotiations. So this was after Russia had already invaded Crimea and the Donbass, uh, another part of the Ukraine. I would go over to our Western European allies and say, guys, we need you to take a hard position against these fools. And they would be like, well, I don't know about that, because they were getting a very good deal on the Russian gas. And the money that they were spending on this Russian gas was fueling Putin's military modernization and all of his bad acts. And then, you know what they would say? They'd say, well, you know what we actually need is for you to send over more troops and equipment 
to protect us against that threat that we're funding. So they expected us, Mm -hmm. the American taxpayer and the American service member, to go over there and protect them and subsidize their cheap gas. And so my biggest worry here is that uh, now they're looking for the next generation of energy because they're like, finally, uh, oops, (laughs) maybe that wasn't so smart after all to buy all that gas from Russia. And, uh, and they're not looking to the United States because we haven't made the investments in the next generation of energy. They're looking to China. And so what we're going to do here is we're going to end up swapping out Russia, the Saudis, the Venezuelans, and a cartel of multinational corporations who are no good to us for you know China, another authoritarian state for the future of energy. So I really think that we need to make that investment now for our national security. It's way cheaper than a war over energy in the future. I mean, the war in Iraq and Afghanistan was $6.4 trillion. We'd be fully clean if we'd invested that in our in our infrastructure. So, so yeah, for me, it's a national security issue, and it also brings great jobs here. It's a win-win. Yeah, absolutely. 100% agree, my friend. Tell everyone where they can follow your campaign, donate to your campaign, donate time. Sometimes people can't donate money, so they can donate time with postcards and text banking and phone banking. Just give give us where we can help you out in this election. Absolutely. So uh, to sign up to volunteer and to donate, you can go to lucaskuntz.com. That's L-U-C-A-S. And the last name is K-U-N-C-E.com. You can follow me on Twitter at lucaskuntz.mo. Same on Instagram. And uh, yeah, I mean, there's so many ways to help. Donations are huge. Donations of time are very valuable. Spreading the word around on social and to your friends. Uh, and everything else. I mean, it's a real grassroots movement that we're very proud of, and it takes everyone to do that. Yes. Thank you so much. Democratic candidate running against Josh Hawley in Missouri, Lucas Kuntz. Thanks for your time. I appreciate it. Thanks. Appreciate it. Yeah. Everybody stick around. We'll be right back with the good news. Hey, it's AG, and I used to be plagued with sleep issues. You know this. I tried everything under the sun, and nothing seemed to help much. But now my sleep is better than ever, and it's all because of my custom mattress from Helix Sleep. So if you're looking for a mattress and you want an amazing night's sleep, just go to Helix Sleep, H-E-L-I-X Sleep dot com slash Daily Beans. Take their two minute online sleep quiz and they'll match you to a customized mattress that will give you the best sleep of your life. When I took the Helix Sleep quiz, I was matched with the Helix Midnight because I like to sleep on my side. I'm a side sleeper and I prefer a medium firm bed. And it is miles beyond any other mattress I've ever slept on. Head and shoulders, hands down, the best. Everyone sleeps differently. Helix knows that. So they have several different mattress models to choose from. Soft, medium, firm mattresses. Uh, mattresses that cool you down. They even have a Helix for plus-sized folks. It's amazing. Uh, And you don't have to take my word for it either. Helix was awarded number one best overall mattress pick of 2020 by GQ and Wired Magazine. So go take the quiz, order the mattress you're matched to. It'll come right to your door, ship for free. You'll never have to go to a mattress store again. Plus, they come with a 10 or 15-year warranty, depending on your model. And you get to try it out for 100 sleeps with no risk. They'll pick it up for you if you don't love it, but you will. Right now, Helix is offering 20% off 20% off all mattress orders and two free pillows for listeners. Just go to helixsleep.com slash dailybeans and use promo code HELIXPARTNER, all one word. This is the best offer yet. It won't last long. With Helix, better sleep starts now. Everybody, welcome back. It's time for the good news. Who likes good news, everyone? Then good news, everyone. Good news, good news. And if you have any good news, confessions, corrections, you want to play What the Mutt with the champions, Dana and I, five for seven. I'm, I'm never going to. I don't want to brag, but never, it's true. Never going to stop bragging about that day. Uh, yeah, send it <laughs> in to us. Uh, if you have a shout out you want to give to somebody who you love or uh, shit kids say, shit your parents say, shit you say, 
Shout out to a local business, adoptable pet in your area. Send it to us at dailybeanspod.com. Just click on contact. First up, from Amy, pronoun she and her. Hello to the lovely queens of the beans. You are indeed the best part of waking up. Thank you. I found these two little nuggets in a barn on Sunday morning. The very good news is that they weren't born on Saturday morning when it was negative seven degrees. Meet Duncan, the one with the white face, and Greta, the one with the mottled face. Thanks for all your hard work. Look They're at baby them. goats. Sheep. Oh my God, They're baby I sheep. Snuggle. <gasps> I want to snuggle them. Oh, little lambies. Clarice, have the lamb stopped screaming? Look at this little baby. Oh, oh my God, so cute. I love that you went from their baby goats to baby sheep to look at the little lamb. <laughs> no, we're gonna, apparently, we need to also guess the breed of the baby what, animal the in front of us because we're not even exactly sure. AG's just going to cover all of the tiny cuteness and hope that one of them sticks. Send in your submission for what the sheep. <laughs> oh, my God. That was so funny. They're adorable. Thank you for kicking us off with that. All right, this next one's from Anonymous Pronoun, she and her. I got my own room. Woohoo! I just got moved from one room in a nursing home over to my own room. My former roommate was very hard to live with. She consistently ran air conditioner in the dead of winter. To put it in the mildest terms, I was very unhappy. I pity her. She seems to be suffering from some sort of dementia. But I had to get out of that room, and now I'm here, and I have a heater on, and I have my hutch that has all of my books and they're beautiful. Anonymous, I love that you sent this good news story in because it does feel good to have your own space. And I'm so glad that you have it and you can have your warmth. Oh, absolutely. Air conditioning in the winter. Mm, and brings yep, back don't, dad memories when you weren't allowed to touch the thermostat. Remember? Yeah. Oh. You want to take the next one too? Sure. I'll take this next quick one. This is Oma in Woodenville. Pronouns she, her. This is our new rescue grand dog, Fudd. Can you figure out his breed mix? Um, oh, okay. All right. So some sort of terrier. I would say right? there's even like a dachshund. That's a very long dog. Chihuahua? Okay. So like a dachshund or maybe it's a wire-haired dachshund mixed with a like a, a schnauzer. And ch- some ch- chow chihuahua. <laughs> chow chow. <laughs> loves a terrier. All right. Let's see what Chihuahua. we got here. Okay. Poodle, schnauzer, chihuahua. All right, we got two out of three. Two out of three ain't bad. Of course, we guessed 800 different breeds. (laughs) Hey, that helps. It does help. We're just covering our bases, people. Hey, them's the rules, okay? I didn't write them. Yes, I did. All right, next up from Jana, pronoun she and her. (laughs) Another what the mutt. Our foster fail panda came to us a few years ago. The plan was to give her a home while she recovered from heartworm. But we quickly decided she needed to be a permanent part of our family. We know she has some pit bull, but can't figure out the rest. She's sweet and loyal, but has zero manners. Okay, that's a hint. Zero manners. Daily Beans help keep me informed. Thank you for all you do. Okay. All right. So we see the pity. Look at that. Definite pity. Maybe there's a little cow. There's a cow. There's a cow in there and probably (laughs) a sheep. I would think so. (laughs) There's no answers, but... uh... There's a... This is a a cow dog sheep. This is a... A, a, yeah. a dowish, a dow, a doweep. Yeah. Yep. I'm into it. All right. Awesome. Good. This is Thank from anonymous so pronouns. <laughs> this is from anonymous pronouns. She and her. Hello, gurus of the legumes. You are my commute show, and I really appreciate what you do. In college, we used to refer to a man who seemed like he could do everything as a Renaissance man. But what do you call a man who claims he can do everything, but really just made up a ton of bull pucky? My confession. 
is that when everyone says George Santos, I quietly add, Ren nonsense, man. Ren nonsense. I like it in my mind. I've been saying it a lot lately. I figure there are worse things I could call him. Yes, there are anonymous. My pet tax, they'd all probably be true, those. Anyway, my pet tax is these brothers who are like the odd couple in every way. They are so dissimilar that we wonder if they're the result of super, of super fecundation. Yeah, super fuck. I wasn't sure if that was really what it was, but yep, super fucking Uh But we'll never know since they were feral. So their father is unknown. Ah, yeah, super fecundation. Good super word. Super fecundation. Good word. I think I might have said super fucking which also I think applies if you're not sure who the dad is, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> They're take- they've taken our minds to the most fecund point. I remember no, that quote good. from Clueless. Okay. Oh, look how cute. These babies. Oh, that one looks like my Ned, the tabby on the left. I want to hear more about this, Anonymous. How are they dissimilar? And I want to, like, I want to put the Odd Couple theme song to it. You know? You know what I mean? And, like, just talk about how they're dissimilar. So cute. Thank you. I love What the Mutt and Kitty Pictures and Lammy Sheep Cows and uh, Goats. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) This was a wonderful, (laughs) wonderful menagerie of of good news submissions. If you have any you want to send in to us, please do at dailybeanspod.com and click on contact. Dana, any final thoughts? Yes. No, no final thoughts for today. I'm just happy to be back (laughs) in your ears. I hope everyone has a wonderful week ahead. Yes. No. (laughs) Yes. No, I don't. Dana, yes. No, no final thoughts. Well, that is your final thought, that you have no final thoughts. I mean, thank you. I appreciate you covering my ass on that. No, no worries at all. I I figured it was totally on purpose because I enjoyed it personally. So, And also, I enjoy your work for the the Human Rights Campaign, my friend. Thank you so much for the work that you're doing. Look forward to the next gala and uh, seeing you there. And uh, we'll be back tomorrow. So until then, please take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. Take care of the planet. Take care of your mental health. Vote blue over Q. And take someone with you. And if you're in Wisconsin, don't forget to vote in the February 21st primary for Supreme Court justices because that could make the difference in our politics going forward. The future depends upon you, Wisconsin. Uh, I've been AG. And I've been DG. And them's the beans. The Daily Beans is written and executive produced by Allison Gill with additional research and reporting by Dana Goldberg and Amy Carrero. Sound design and editing is by Desiree McFarlane, with art and web design by Joel Reeder with Moxie Design Studios. Music for The Daily Beans is written and performed by They Might Be Giants, and the show is a proud member of the MSW Media Network, a collection of creator-owned podcasts dedicated to news, politics, and justice. For more information, please visit mswmedia.com. MSW Media. <laughs>